The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome, everyone, to the Janice Dean Podcast. I'm Janice Dean, and I am so excited to welcome two of my favorite people on the planet, who I just happen to work with every morning on Fox and Friends and Fox and Friends First, Ainsley Earhart and Carly Shimkus. When I invited them on the program, I told them I didn't want them to prepare for anything. I just wanted to have a chat with my girlfriends and take you behind the scenes of what it's really like working on a morning show with people you genuinely really love being with. Let's just say I think it went so well, we might have to do this on a regular basis. So welcome Carly and Ainsley to the Janice Dean Podcast. Carly and Ainsley, thank you for doing this. We're so happy to be here. We're so excited for you, Janice. Oh my gosh. Well, you know, I, I wanted to do this because... People ask us questions when we're outside of the TV studios, right? And one of the, I guess, most frequent questions I get is, are they really like that on TV in real life? And do you guys really get along? Because it seems like you get along. And you know what? My answer is I wouldn't be here for 20 years now if I really didn't feel like this was a home and a family. And I feel really lucky because in this business, Well, in any business, sometimes ladies, women can be kind of catty towards each other, right? Mm -hmm. I've certainly been at places where it's like, does she like me? Why doesn't she like me? And it's like high school, right? But I feel like here there is a special sister bond. Mm -hmm. uh, And I certainly feel that on Fox and Friends with you two, uh, what you see on TV is really us loving each other in real life. Like, I mean, I was just on on the plaza with wonderful people that come to see us when I do the weather. And we were like, do you love Ainsley? Yeah, we love Ainsley. And you were like, well, it's good good that they have Everybody an loves Ainsley. <laughs> Everyone but, loves all of y'all. I mean, well, both of you. So the, I start by saying what you see on TV is in real life, if not more so. So I thank both of you, Carly and Ainsley, for doing this today. And when I first started out in radio... I had a show called The Broad Perspective on radio. It was kind of like The View. Um, I love that name. Right? But I don't know if we could use it like The Broad Perspective. Oh, right. Yeah. Broad, yeah, you're I right. Mean, uh, yeah, whatever. I get it. But it's I like liked word it. Chick and, but I, <laughs> broad Perspective, like I, we have broad mm-hmm, opinions on mm-hmm. things. Anyway, uh, so 20 years, I mean, almost to this date, you know, I moved to New York and it's like a full circle moment where I've got my girlfriends in the radio studio with me to just talk about anything. Oh, and you can call me a broad any day of the week. <laughs> yeah. well, I feel like that. We're too. best broads. <laughs> So, Carly, how did you start out in the business? Um, So I started out, first of all, I interned at Fox um, in Washington, D.C. And if anybody's ever seen Chad Pergram on air, I love him because he's he's, uh, he's the smartest man in the world. And, you know, when people are really nice to you, um, 
when you're in a kind of a vulnerable position, mm-hmm. uh, you always remember them. Griff Jenkins mm. was so nice. And now we're friends. But right. back then, you know, I was just like mystified by meeting Fox on air personalities. Chad Program, he took me behind the scenes in Capitol Hill. So I had an incredible internship. Jennifer Griffin was also so nice to me. And I have I bet you that they don't even remember meeting me. But oh, my meetings with them were mm-hmm. like I will never forget. So I love the you get internship. nervous talking to them, right? Because they're, yes. like, they're on air. I know exactly. And then, like, oh and then you become gosh. friends with them later. Yeah. yeah. I, well, I remember when Brian Kilmeade first um said introduced himself to me and I was like oh, he's a star yeah, Brian yeah. Yeah. don't tell him that though it goes to his head I, I did though I did he was like he was like when I told him the story he, he was probably on his loved show. it well he, goes, he definitely remembered you he goes wait you were impressed with me past tense I'm like <laughs> of course he said that's very Brian Kilmeade uh, so then I was uh, Don Imus's assistant on Imus in the Morning which is a simulcast both of y'all worked for Don right that's right mm-hmm. yeah we had, we had different, different experiences, experiences. <laughs> yeah we, we did I called him at the tail end of his career so he was like a Chill. hibernating bear yeah. at that time yeah um and then i joined fox news radio uh, for uh, fox news headlines 24 7 and i started doing um a lot of you know a lot more tv on-air stuff greg gutfeld i used to do red eye yeah. so uh, oh, god bless him and neil cavuto for giving me those on-air um opportunities and now i'm a part of the fox and friends family which was my goal and my I dream i love that you really you know started from being an intern which is yeah. how a lot of uh, uh, broadcasters get their start, right? Mm-hmm. Ainsley, how, what happened with you? You know, with the intern thing, I was scared to intern at, a na- at the national level because I thought they'll always see me as an intern because one of my professors said, start at like the smallest market, be an intern, then they'll hire you right out of school. Right. So congratulations, Carly, because that is rare for our interns to be hired to be on air at the national level. Yeah. Most mm. people have to start That's at the... That's true. That's a lot of prayers a, too. That is God working yeah. through my life. So. He'll do that, yeah. won't he? Yeah. Yes. Uh, mine is, uh, I did local news. I was a journalism major in college and did local news in our hometown station at um, our CBS affiliate. So I was on air where my family could see me, which was cool, kind of, because they would kind of call and say, oh, we don't yeah. like your hair. We don't like that outfit. You know, <laughs> where were you today? Why weren't you at work today? I'm Are like, I'm on vacation, mom. I'm sorry. I didn't tell you I'm 27. Um <laughs> But uh, yeah, so that was five years in Columbia. Then I did two years in Texas and got the call to come to Fox. And so I've been here for, what is it? 16 years, 17. Wow. What was that moment when you got the call to go to the national? My agent said, are you sitting down? And I was on the other line. Remember, I was like a hard phone, (laughs) letting my dogs out in the backyard. And I was eating a sandwich. I was on the other line. And I said, oh my gosh, I've got to call you back. This is my agent. So I... Flip over to him and he says, are you sitting down? He said, Fox wants to interview you. And I was like, what? Fox News Channel? How did they get my tape? He said, oh, I sent it to you and I sent it to them and I never told you. So it was my birthday weekend. So I flew up for my birthday weekend. And um, oh, and, wow. yeah, the rest is yeah. history. I just got chills because yeah. that's like a real That was in September. Story. I did not get the job. I didn't start here till January because I could leave. I had an out in my contract at the end of that year. So I didn't start till January. And I didn't even find out I got the job till November. So I was like chomping at the bit. You know, when you want it so badly, it's the national level. I'd call my agent almost every day. I'm sure he hated me at that point. I was like, Matthew, did did you hear from Fox? Did you hear from Fox? And finally I got to the point where I was like, okay, God, this is in your hands. I'm not going to call him anymore. When Fox is ready, if they do hire me, then 
then they'll call me. Well, and when you started, you did overnights. I mean, you I paid did. your dues here. Thank How you. long did you do overnights Seven for? years overnights. But immediately they wow. were letting me fill in on Fox and Friends. I would anchor the weekend show, and then I'd anchor if our main anchor couldn't be Monday through Friday. And then, um, then like, probably on year five of overnights, um, or year six maybe, I got Fox and Friends first, and we started that show that year. Mm. There were four anchors, and we rotated. And then... Um, yeah, then I got Fox and Friends because Elizabeth Hasselbeck was our anchor, and she decided she wanted to be a stay-at-home mom, and she felt like God was telling her, stay at home. This is important for you to raise your kids at home. And so she quit her job, and they moved down to Nashville. Wow. And you you both are very grateful for, you know, things that happen. I know that about you, and that's what I love about you is, Ainsley, you know, even though you did overnights, you were just so grateful to have that position. You have to be that way, I think, you know, to be in any business and really be dedicated and you have to be grateful. I always tell young women, men that are getting into this business, do everything you can. Mm -hmm. You can't really have like this bird's eye view of what you're going to be doing in 20 years. I feel like if you have an appreciation for every job that you're surrounded with, whether it's audio or being a producer or a writer or in radio, I mean, I think you just have an appreciation for everybody's job. And that way you're more grateful when you get this job that doesn't feel like work. Mm -hmm. I think um, it takes just as much effort. I heard to say something negative as it does to say something positive. So I try to walk through life with a positive attitude because I am grateful and I really do love my life. Even in the bad times, I know God's using that time to groom me and shape me and make me a better person and be more empathetic and um, and have uh, and be able to relate to other people. I mean, you know, divorce and miscarriage and, um, you know, death in your family. What We all have our stories and we have our issues. But when I walk outside, I'm like, oh my gosh, God, look what you did. Mm. You raised me in a wonderful state of South Carolina where I learned so such family values and traditions and to go to church. And I have, I developed a relationship with you, Christ, down there. But now you have me in the city that I've wanted to live in my entire life, even when I was five years old in New York City. And even though I started on overnights, I was not making much money. I always had to have roommates or I had to, you know, share apartments and could barely pay the bills. I was in so much debt. I finally just hunkered down and paid $600 a month that was like so hard for me to do to get out of debt and um, and paid the debt off. But I, throughout that whole time, I was so glad and grateful because God had given me my dream job in my dream city and I had enough money to pay my bills and I was just having fun and happy. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's so true. And I always think that uh, perspective just goes so far. You know, it, it even, it's things that we, themes that we talk about on Fox and Friends a lot about how people are um, no longer as patriotic as they used to be and they say negative things about being an American and then you go, oh my gosh, just think about what other people are going through in other countries. You just feel like you win the, if you really think about it, you win the lottery just by being born here. Mm-hmm. No matter what happens in your life, the freedoms that we get to enjoy are so important. And, and then everything else is extra. You know, if you have a, a loving family, thank you for that. And if you and really you do get to you get, you do get to make what you want of your life, especially because we are here. I was talking to an Uber driver recently who was um, born in uh, the Congo, and he uh, came here. He I, I honestly feel like some of the most patriotic people are 
immigrants because they do have that perspective. And he was talking about how when he got here, um, things were really difficult for him. And yet he was always, he was like, I was living in an awful apartment. I was always freezing. I didn't even have a coat. And now he's going to college. He owns his own car. He's driving an Uber and he's out of college. He's going to be making a six-figure salary. And that's that's the American dream. Um, So yeah, there are so many things to be grateful for. And if life isn't going exactly your way, just think about a perspective and how it always could be worse. I know that sounds cheesy and obvious, no. but sometimes those we things We need help a reminder of that, I yeah. think. Now, Carly, where were you born? I was born in uh, the very luxurious state of New Jersey. <laughs> Actually, no, no, listen, the area in New Jersey where I grew up People in. People diss New Jersey. Yeah. I don't think you need, you should. Yeah, no. The, the, the salt of the earth. In New Jersey, where I grew up, it's called Long Valley. It's like more horses and farms wow. than, than and people. And they have mountains there. They do. <laughs> that is an ongoing thing. They do. They're like really small Tiny mountains. mountains. But they do. The definite. We're talking about definitions of words. Yeah, right. They do meet the definition of the We're word change mountain. the definition. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah. What, where did that come from? The mountain thing again? What, who were you having the disagreement with? Uh, it was, I can't remember Steve. exactly how it started, but there was a, st- I think it was a story where somebody was hiking. I was reading it. Somebody was hiking and they were in the mountains of New Jersey. <laughs> Steve goes, whoa, Steve's whoa, like, whoa, whoa, Wait a second. <laughs> or maybe it was Pete because he also, I think it was actually Pete. Mm-hmm. And he Sounds goes, like Pete. <laughs> yeah, because Steve was on your side. Steve yeah. was like, no, there yeah. are mountains, right? <laughs> well, uh, I was born... I grew up on a mountain. It's called Schoolies Mountain. Wow. Yeah. In New Jersey. Yes. Yeah. But we looked so, at the picture. It's basically a hill. <laughs> but by definition, it's yeah. tall as tall as a mountain. Yeah. You know, what is the, the definition standard. of a mountain? I, I should know that. Okay. How many feet was it? Is it, it 8,000? I could be way off. I don't and, know. Oh, I know I probably Topographers out there are going to hate me. Um, I'm going to Google it. But no, Long Valley, very rural. Uh, conservative. I grew up in... It, this is going to come as no surprise, although people do differ politically from their parents. But I grew up in a pretty conservative household. And when I was um, when I would eat breakfast every morning, Fox and Friends would be on. Wow. Oh, really? Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. When so you are school. kind of living the dream where you yeah. grew up with Fox and Friends. Yeah, and, and I would I was always be, I joke with my dad because he's such a Fox fan. And I was like, Dad, what if I worked for CNN? And, like, would you watch? He's like, Ugh, I just I mean, I'd watch you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you would never work for CNN. I would ne- no, no, so it just went, no, it just went, your dad it just is safe. Work out in my life, right? All right, I'm googling the, the mountain um, mountain thing. And Janice, you grew up in, in Canada. Canada, but what? How'd you get to New York? Well, I'm supposed to be interviewing you, ladies. I know, but, but I'm just curious. I yeah, heard uh, so that uh, born in Toronto, grew up in Ottawa, the nation's capital. And I was fortunate enough to have dual citizenship when I became 18 because my father was American. He uh, grew up, served in the Air Force, uh, had a small business, uh, lived in New Jersey, actually was born in Teaneck, New Jersey, uh, lived outside of Chicago for a lot of his life. And then he went to a wedding where he met my mom. I think it was in Toronto or it might have been in Ohio. I'm not quite sure of the details, but one they, of those countries. It was either Canada. I think it was the U.S. because my dad had not been in Canada at all, I don't think. So it must have been a wedding here in the U.S. He met my mom. And as they say, you know, it, the rest is history. The rest is history. And he moved to Canada. And at the time, I believe you had to give up your citizenship to live in Canada. So uh, he didn't have Canadian citizenship, but through my mom, he was able to work and 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 raise a family 
in Canada. And then in the 80s, when there was the free trade agreement between uh, Prime Minister Mulroney and Clinton, which was a big deal at the time, my mom said she read an article in the Globe and Mail, which is a Toronto newspaper, that said, if you gave up your... uh, citizenship, the U.S. citizenship, you were able to get it back. And in turn, you could give your children dual citizenship. So that was a really big deal at the time. And my dad, I just remember my dad having to like, there was so much paperwork he had to sort of prove that he was an American and he served and he went to school in America and he um, he owned a business and that kind of thing. And I just remember the stack of paperwork when we went to the American embassy. And so I just, oh my gosh, that, you know, that act of goodness was brought me the American dream, truly. So when I was Thank 18... Thank your mom read that article. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um and so I had that dual citizenship. And as a kid, I got to be honest, I knew early on that I was going to be in broadcasting. There was, and I love Canada. I love the people there. I have family, I have friends there. But I felt when I got into broadcasting, I started in radio. There was kind of a limit on what you could do. You were sort of told directly, indirectly that mm, this is what you're going to do. In and, Canada? or Yeah, as a, okay. in Canada. Like subjects? You mean like this is what you're going to talk about? Well, or? for for instance, I was a DJ for a number of years, which I loved, but I was also somebody that wanted to try other things, and I wanted to do the news. So I went to the news director, and I said, listen, I would love to learn how to do a newscast. It's something that I learned in school, broadcasting school. And she was like, mm, you're not really a news per- You're not really a journalist, you know? And so I just remember feeling like, why? Why can't I do that? I learned. I mean, I, I'll, I'll do well. Yeah. I'll read the newspapers. I, I just felt that uh, through, you know, and I was lucky because I was able to do both television and radio. And um, I started out doing weather very early on in my career because I did go to a place where a news director said, you'd be good doing weather. But it was still sort of the same thing, that fun, uh, but you cannot be an anchor. When I decided to move to the U.S., uh, I followed a boy to Houston, Texas, uh, and, um, you know, got a job in radio in Houston. But I felt like the world opened up because it was kind of like, well, what do you want to do? I said, and I started out doing on-air traffic there. It was like an entry position into broadcasting. And from there I did, again, radio, television. But I felt like it was more like, what do you want to do? Because you can do it if you want to. There is a difference I find in America. And it really is that American dream. And like, I've been here in New York now for 20 years and it was sort of the same thing. I, you know, I came here, I worked for Imus for a year and then I came over to Fox and I remember the interview, have you ever done the weather before? And I was like, oh, yes, yes, I have. It was, you know, 12 years ago, but yes, I've done the weather. And it was kind of like, great, come on in. And when I was at Fox, it was like, well, what else do you want to do? Well, I want to, maybe I can do some reporting. You know, maybe I can do some radio. Uh, Maybe I can do some anchoring, which I did. So I feel like I feel so blessed. And maybe that was just me internalizing this one news director that said, no, you just stay in your lane, right? But I don't know. I feel really blessed because I do feel like the dreams did come true once I crossed over the border. Wow. That's am- that's an incredible story. Yeah. Uh, and I didn't know that you moved to the U.S. for a boy. I and did. And you didn't say that boy was your husband. No, it was yeah, a different what happened boy. To him? Oh, Ian. Uh, <laughs> oh, Ian. Ian. Where we are you? Ian. 
Ian, I think is is back in Canada. We we did keep in touch for for a, a good long time, especially when I moved to New York. But you know, when I met Sean, uh, that was kind of like, yeah. okay, he's my guy. I remember writing. I wrote him an email. I wrote Ian an email saying that I was. He knew I was dating Sean, and I, I just I wanted to tell him how important he was in my life Aww, at the time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I think we can still have great loves. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Sean certainly is my greatest love. But I do appreciate, you know, listen, there's been good, bad boyfriends, there's been bad boyfriends, but he really did. There are certain people in your life that kind of put, were put in your life for Mm -hmm. a reason you don't know at Mm -hmm. the time. Uh, But, you know, Ian certainly had an important role in Mm -hmm. the person I am today. Yeah. And you find the good ones by burning through the That's bad ones. So oh, true. well, oh my gosh. I know. Yeah. You date enough bad ones, you're like, okay, this is what I don't want. Yeah. I don't want and that the, quality, yeah. that quality, that quality. Exactly. But that's why we have to shout out the good guys. The good guys. Right? And we'll be back with more of the Janice Dean podcast right after this. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So Absolutely. I I married a, a very good guy who I don't live with. <laughs> Oh yes, Carly. Know. Have you? I mean, have you talked about that story? So, well, Ainsley, although she has an apartment in in Chicago, yeah. it's not his apartment. I, They're married. Ainsley and I always joke because every now and then, when we do a, a unfortunately a story about Chicago crime, right, it's very close to home for me because the city is changing, and you can tell even in the area where we where, live, where yeah. my husband and I live. But I always say, just by habit, I always say my husband has an apartment. <laughs> Sounds like he's like some sort of yeah. awful, like that's right, where he brings right. his mistress. Right. I'm <laughs> so Ainsley goes, Carly, you have to start saying we have an apartment right. in Chicago, which I'm, I'm doing. Anyway, it won't be a problem for much longer because he's moving back to New York, Woo-hoo! which is amazing. After we've been, um, you know, long distance in terms of he works in Chicago. I obviously work in New York and then we see each other on weekends. How many years have y'all been doing that? Um, we've been doing it since 2013, so almost 10. Wow. wow. Yeah. And I remember but it probably when, keeps your relationship alive, though. You're I like mean, dating. Listen, yeah. if like, we're being honest, right. that's kind of awesome. You get a few awesome. nights by yourself, some Carly time, know, and then it some is, dating time. So it is really... Well, He's such an easy person to get along with. Uh-huh. I and and we actually did live together a little bit uh, before uh, he moved, so mm. I, we were compatible. <laughs> um, but people do say that, there, and a lot of people say, well, "I don't see my spouse that often during the week anyway mm-hmm. because our schedules are different." And to be honest, living together is very important. But now and, you don't have to live out of, out of a suitcase. That's yeah. the hardest when you're like packing, you're going to yeah. Chicago for the weekend and then coming back well, and this working. is how good of a guy he is, is that when I got the Fox and Friends first job, we used to split it up because so, mm-hmm. it really does take a lot out of you just to constantly right. you're on flights in Chicago, right. New York. If anybody's ever done it, knows the flight's Gosh. always canceled. Always. And it's O'Hare's always the one that you don't want to be canceled. Yeah. No. Yeah. O'Hare is not. No. Toronto's right. Pearson Airport is the worst oh, airport. Really? <laughs> yeah. really? And, and it's written, been written up by 
I think, recently. But anyway. Well, no, I I, what I was going to say is since I got the Fox and Friends first job, I would have to leave so early uh-huh. to come back to New York for that. So he comes every so he weekend. Comes so oh, every uh, yeah. weekend. That's nice. So I don't have to travel anymore. That's good. So, and now he's, when is he moving to New York? Probably when my lease is up, November. Oh, oh have you started looking apartment? for things? You can't in New York. What? Because it's just, you know, the turnover yeah. is it's, so crazy. You, you got to grab your, if you see a good one, you, you grab got, it immediately honestly, and you're moving in in like can a week. I, you start recommend you to, maybe you look somewhere else, like maybe Long Island or. Oh my gosh. One of my girlfriends is trying to get me to yet. move to Merrick. Not till they have babies. Yeah. Yeah. I want to, I want to stay in the city for a little while. Well, that's longer. what we did. I mean, yeah. that's it's just what more I did. convenience. Easier. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and and Matthew was probably coming on a year, and that's when we decided to move. Yeah, to and Long there's Island. nothing better than dating or being married, newly married in the city. I wish I had done more. I feel like Sean and I do look at each other, and we're like, why didn't we take advantage of the yeah, fact the that we lived awesome. in New York? Like, well, I can tell you right now, I'm probably not because when people ask for restaurant recommendations. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. Do you want to go to the same three places that I go? <laughs> right. Like, I, there's the bar next to me. There's one down the street, and then we go to an Irish pub. Yeah. And that's and that's yeah. basically it. That's I don't okay. really expand but outside. Ainsley, now when you moved here, to New York, did you yeah. have the life? Did you oh, have the fun? I, I feel like Ainsley I've really. Had, yeah. Oh my gosh, we were. I've we had did the it time all. Of my like, life. I, so we didn't have, you know, I like lived with all these girls, and we were. You know, sharing rooms and sh- whatever, sharing taxi cab fares because it was twenty dollars to get down to the West Village, and we lived in we lived in like the Midtown area, mm-hmm. and um, which was great for work. And then we would go to the Hamptons in the summer. I mean, yeah. you, we all heard about the Hamptons in South Carolina. We just thought it was rich people. But no, you would cram a huge house I with tons do, of cheap yeah, people. And we would all, you know, <laughs> sleep on a sofa and sleep in beds. It was just fun. I've had so much fun. My 30s were, like, great. I think the 30s Single are better than 20s, for sure. Yeah, you're was, a little more stable. Right, you're making a little bit more money. And um, yeah. But when know. I was in my 20s, we did the Hamptons house thing. Because, you know, so what the Hamptons is very, actually, for those that don't know, it's far. It's pretty far mm-hmm. away from New York City. It takes, yes. what, like two and a half hours? And so right one, one way to four get hours. there. Yes. Yeah. It's the Long Island Expressway. Yep. Everybody one, wants one to be there. One road in and run, one road yeah. out. And the, there's mansions there. So when I was in my early 20s, um, we wanted to do it, but we're all broke. So you, what we did was we signed a lease, and we, we, this is awful. This is so awful. We said that we it would be four people, and it mm-hmm. was eighty. <laughs> 80, eighty people. What? You How went from four possible? to eighty. It's we split it by eighty people. I didn't. We How didn't even. Was that even oh, possible? it was y'all rotated. Oh, oh, it was not just, everyone was there at once. What we well, there were the four people on the lease. Yeah. We split the price up by eighty, though. <laughs> So, because right. uh, it is crazy yeah. expensive. So, how did you do it? How many weekends were you there? Oh, anybody could go any weekend. <laughs> Was there ever a time that there were the whole 80 people there? Never, but like, so say for instance, a quarter don't show up. It's still, <laughs> yeah, a, it's lot. still a lot of people. Yeah. So, it ended up being fine though. Um, I don't think we did anything like terribly naughty. So, it worked <laughs> out. Yeah. But did it was, you go to where? What town was it in? Uh, East, Ham- East, okay. East Hampton. Okay. Did you Stephen Talkhouse? Stephen Talkhouse. Yeah. I was going to ask you about. He comes on our show sometimes. He does the Soldier Ride, and he's sometimes on our. You've interviewed him probably yes. on, on our. Um, I Fox didn't know Square. he was an actual person. Yeah, he owns the Stephen Talkhouse, or he manages. It. I think he owns it. And is Jimmy it a Buffett. Sometimes it's a it's a bar. Okay, okay. And it's a the great line bar. is like down the street to get in, and it takes for people line up way before it opens. Yeah. So you can go eat at the restaurant across the street, yes. come back and get in line, and then you get and then pizza at the end of the night. Yeah, after right, you've had right. A couple, it's yeah. just fun. I'm, they ha- they have a live band every night. 
night. And so the dance floor is just packed and it's so fun. Okay, so we're talking about the Hamptons. I've never really stayed in the Hamptons. You haven't? No, I haven't. Maybe Do you that's think your one boys of those... will one day? What are they what are their person- Well, we person- have a little and I mean little tiny place, yeah, your new place on Atlantic Beach, which is in Long Island. Oh, cool. Uh sorry, on Long Island. Have you heard that? We're not supposed to say in, I say on. But I, I think that's a Long it's Island. On thing. an island, an, right? Yeah. <laughs> but some places like Rhode Island, do you say on Rhode Island? No. no. So it's yeah. very strange. Yeah. But anyway, uh, again, I'm going to try to make this story short, even though it's long. During the pandemic, we had just lost Sean's parents. It was a terrible time. But he grew up at, on Atlantic Beach on Long Island. Uh, learned to surf. Um, became a lifeguard. His parents. Lived in Brooklyn, uh, but his dad knew somebody he played tennis with and knew they had a little place at Atlantic Beach in the summertime. So they got a tiny little locker there. You can get cabanas there. You know, um, if you go to this, if you go anywhere, I think on Long Island, you see the cabanas. It looks like, what was that movie? The Flamingo Kid. Mm-hmm. It's same sort of idea where you. So for the Southerners listening, cabanas are like these beach clubs where you can join club. and you can buy a cabana or rent a rent cabana. It. Yep. And you can just keep your beach stuff there. Some of them That's have a exactly shower. It. Some of them, right. most of them don't have toilets. It's just no, a shower. It's just a little it's like place. a wooden little cabin. That's it. And so they didn't have a lot of money. So they had like a little locker and Sean loved it. He spent his summers there. You know, his, you know, they like would a locker to what? Keep your beach yeah, stuff just to in keep there? Your okay. Beach stuff in there. Yeah. So we lost them. It was a terrible time. And the pandemic, of course, there were lockdowns. We couldn't do much. And one day we just decided, let's just go to the beach. This was this was early May. And we were sitting on the beach and I don't love the beach because, well, I mean, the audience probably knows, you guys know I have multiple sclerosis and one of the worst things for that is being in the heat and on the beach. But I have an umbrella and I'm sitting there. I'm going, you know what? I'm just going to Google condos in Atlantic Beach. And listen, when I say condo, it it's like a tiny two-bedroom little apartment in this Perfect sort of like 70s boys, kind of building yeah. in Atlantic Beach. So we went and saw it. Sean... You know, Sean grew up, you know, you know, without a lot of money, let's just say. Right. So he's he's he was apprehensive to buy like a car when we first dated each other. Right. Because he would like buy these like, you know, beat up Corollas or something. Yeah. And that's, so whenever there's like a purchase and, involved. And buying he, another house that has to be I scary. Mean, right. Listen, of course, even yeah. when we bought our house. But this tiny little place, which was, you know, affordable. And when I sent it to the real estate woman, she was like, wow, that's a really good price. And I've never seen this before. So we did. We end up, we even though Sean was like, what? I don't know if we can do this. Uh, we have this tiny place now on Atlantic Beach. And for us, that's our Hamptons. Yes. Oh, that's you don't need the Hamptons to feel like you're it's in the Hamptons. It's just being on the beach. Also, and what people don't understand, too, is some of the beaches in New York and New Jersey are fabulous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you don't, if you're not here and you don't see that for yourself, you wouldn't believe it. Like, mm-hmm. these beaches are Gorgeous. Yeah, that's so true. And that happened at such a, a great time in your life. We to kind of honor uh, Sean's parents. Yes. And, and we believe, place. I believe they had a hand in that. I really do. That's something Aww. I don't know that we would ever think about doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but because, you know, we couldn't do much. And uh, it was such a, just a, 
really hard time. And we were thinking, well, what can we do with the family? Everything is locked down and we can't go to the usual places we want to go to. So we went to the beach and it just it was one of those moments where I feel like it was a meant to be. Uh, We always feel their presence, especially there. You know, we and Donna has a cabana at the same beach club. It's your sister-in-law. Yeah. And so. Yeah, it's really special. It really I love is. that it's close to your house too, because mm-hmm. I I remember dating this guy. He had a his parents had a beach house like an hour away from where he grew up, and they would just go for the weekend or just go for the night, and they could come right back to work the next day. It's so nice. Whereas a lot of people buy beach houses like four hours away, you can't do that, and then right. you're like, oh, I got to do this four hour drive. Yeah. I think if you're thinking about a second, yeah. a little place on the beach, Janice, then you have a make second it home. That's How bougie right. is that? You deserve Listen, it. You worked no hard, Janice. Well, yes. I mean, we all, everybody, we all work hard, right? Yeah. Well, and I'm, I'm, I'm just, proud. You, I'm proud of you. By the way, we have the same guy who painted our the guy who painted my kitchen painted her new little place because Brian Kilmeade got him. He's a really? big soccer player. Yes. Brian apparently knows a lot of um, good types of like people to handy, schedule like appointments handy, with. Right. Well, yeah. remember when he. Hooked you up with his chiropractor? Can oh, yeah. I tell that story? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> so Brian hooked you up with a good chiropractor? Yeah, you're going to get me in trouble. I've never been to a chiropractor, okay? okay? And I was having, like, a cough or something. And Brian's like, chiropractor will fix that. You probably have the flu or he'll adjust you and then you'll be able, you'll never have allergies again. And I'm like, yeah, right. That is such hogwash. And so he loves this guy. So anyway, you can tell the story. Yeah. Okay, so um, so. We're, I'm talking to Brian and Ainsley, and they're kind of laughing at the story. And I said, you know, what's up? He goes, <laughs> Ainsley goes, this is a chiropractor that Brian hooked me up with. Shows me the picture of him on his iPhone. He is the, he is truly the most handsome man, one of the most <laughs> handsome men I've ever seen in and my life. And it wasn't even a good picture. I my husband. I, I, I was like, are you, that person's a doctor? And he's he's yeah. real, right? And you right. can go to, and you went to him. And I am kind of like funny about like you know I'm at a point in my life I'm in a great relationship yeah. and I don't want another man touching me, you know, <laughs> unless he's like an 80 year old doctor that whatever. But yeah. this guy walks in. Brian did not warn no me. Warning. The guy's like jacked. He like has a great you know he's like a muscle guy yes. and he was handsome and he walks in it's just the two of us in this room and he's like all right lie down on the table and I'm gonna adjust you and I'm like so embarrassed you know I'm in my 40s my body's not like what it used to Stop be I'm like it. God this guy like is like in the gym every hour of every day when he's not in the office and Meanwhile, I'm like Ainsley's one of the most beautiful people oh, in the world you're she sweet, doesn't even but know I'm like it. really super embarrassed and. <laughs> I'm like, I don't feel comfortable with this. This cute guy. Wait, he has a wife. Why is he touching me? You know, I said, I don't know. I just was like, I felt really bad. But, but I mean, did he? Did he do he a good adjusted job? me? Did it fine? Yeah, yeah. He was very nice. But I did not wait to get out of there. You never went back to no him because way. he was too handsome. He was too handsome. Oh. His handsomeness fired himself. Oh wow! <laughs> so that I is- told Brian, I'm like, what in the world? Why, why didn't you tell me you let your wife go to him, Brian? <laughs> And he probably didn't even realize. He mm-hmm. he, he looks like uh, like a, a firefighter in a, on a like a calendar. Oh, first day of work uh, um, on a calendar. Oh, you're with talking like about the, the doctor. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like he with this. Yeah. He was cute. Wow. <laughs> you know. I don't even know what to so, say. That. <laughs> Have you ever had a cute doctor and you're like, ooh, I'm not. Uh, yes, actually, my multiple sclerosis doctor. We yeah. used to call him Doctor McDreamy. He was oh, uh, Mar- I love Doctor. Doc- 
Dr. Were y'all Dr. McDreamy or Dr. McSteamy? Oh, how, how was it? What show is this? I that used to was, watch it in um, college. Was it, uh, what Grey's was it called? Anatomy. Anatomy. That's right. I think McDreamy was the one McDreamy that I McDreamy was yes. my favorite. Patrick Dempsey. Dempsey. He was my favorite first, but then, like, I, Dr. McSteamy, I don't know McSteamy was is. like, Which one really is him? McSteamy? He's married to that actress that. Um, I'm going to Google him. Guys. Kate's Googling it for By us. By the way, a mountain um, is 1,000 feet <laughs> or higher. <laughs> We've come full circle. <laughs> Stay right there. We'll have more of this coming up. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Tell Steamy. me about your your MS doctor. Oh yes, uh, Doctor Tallman, Doctor Mark Tallman. Uh, <laughs> now I gotta look him up. M A R K. He knows too. Eric Dane is Doctor McSteamy. Oh, he's very attractive. Oh, yeah. Yes, what's Rebecca, his name? Rebecca. He's married yeah, to Rebecca Gayhart. Yes, Gayhart. Yes. 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 Um, yes, Doctor Mark Tallman. Uh, how do you spell T-O-L-M-A-N? He lives in Illinois now, which is oh. where he's from. But I will tell you, when I was first diagnosed, it was a, awful. It was one of the worst, yeah. darkest periods of my life. And I had to kind of go guy. through... That, uh, yeah. that picture doesn't do him See, justice, like, though. But okay. he has these he's beautiful cute. blue eyes. Yeah, oh, he's, he's handsome. Cute. Oh, Dr. I get it. Tillman, I if you're listening, I miss you. Uh, so, but, you know, when I was newly diagnosed, I went through several doctors because, you know, something like that, you want to have somebody who's going to kind of take care of you. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and neurologists are notorious for being sort of like very, very smart people, but not people who are hand-holding. Do you know what I mean? And I need a hand-holder. Like, if you're going to tell me I'm going to have an illness for the rest of my life that, you know, is... It, it, you have no idea how the illness is going to affect you. You need to ha- be comfortable with somebody. And Dr. Tullman was that doctor. Now, he also had a uh, nurse practitioner, Jen Smirtka, who I also fell in love with. So they were like the the double mm-hmm. team of the amazing doctor and the unbelievable nurse practitioner who has become a really good friend of mine. Um, so, you know, I always tell people who are going through something challenging, uh, if you're having an illness, you know, try to find your best advocate in a doctor that you're seeing because you're going to be seeing a lot of them and you're going to trust them uh, with your health care. So, you know, I, I, I know that a lot of people don't have that luxury, but if you do to try to find the best doctor and listen, he was he was handsome. Even Sean knew that. He's like, Dr. Tom. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, he is handsome. But the bedside manner thing is very important. It is, especially, like I said, if you're if you have something that's life changing, mm-hmm. a diagnosis that's life changing, uh, it's it's really important to have somebody that you connect with, yes, you know, and sure. I've actually talked to doctors about this subject is they need to work on those skills. That's a really important thing to have. You can be the smartest doctor in the room, but if you don't connect with your patient and you're constantly looking at your watch or, um, you know, you just don't, you just don't have that good bedside manner. For me, it's always, I feel like doctors assume I know something. So I always feel like I'm like, wait, if it's something big, you're like, I, I need more information. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah, tell I guess, us about your medical chart. What have yeah, you no, gone exactly. through medically? Well, in 
2012. <laughs> Actually, you know what? In uh, in college, the, one of the I thank God I've been really. Where are you going with us? I've been, I've been really help, help, healthy my whole life. That's yes. Good. Um, but in college, I had a cough that just wouldn't go away, and every I went to the doctor several times, and every doctor was like, "Oh, it's just um, bronchitis." So they kept on giving me medicine, and I just lived with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then one day, I got I kept on getting chest scans too because it just wasn't going away and so then one day I get a call from the doctor and they're like you need to go to the hospital right now and they found something that they thought was tuberculosis which is which would which would honestly have been I would have I could have possibly shut down the whole university because that's so contagious Mm -hmm. um and so I went to the hospital and they had me in this um different pressure room so like my room had different air pressure than the other room and the doctors would come in and they'd be wearing like full suits wow. and I remember when my mom visited me she's such a mama bear she comes in she's like I'm not wearing this mask this is my t-. you know the whole yeah. drama and I had a and I was I was coughing up blood which is a sign of TB Yikes. So it ended up it ended up the story has thankfully a very uneventful ending. It was just um, walking pneumonia that looked very funny. But again, the vulnerable that that was one of those things that life hits you so fast. And you're like, wait a second. Mm. I, I don't know what's happening. I, you're, I'm going in this room. What are, and every you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So you do have to be your own advocate in a certain way. Say, slow down. Yeah. This is about my care in my life. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. How did you handle that when they gave you the diagnosis? And were you, were you reading up on the internet of what your symptoms were? And well, I was actually home in Canada. So I was diagnosed in 2005 and I, I remember it was the worst hurricane season, in the U S that means you were here at Fox. So I working at Fox. Yeah. Right? Okay. Uh, we had just gone through Katrina and uh-huh. Rita and all of those names. And it was just devastating. And I remember being so tired and, you know, back then I was in my thirties and go, go, go and career, career, career. And Sean and I were dating. Um, and so we were, we took a vacation. I, I think I introduced him to my mom back then. That was probably one of the first trips that we ever took to go back home. And I woke up and I was like, I can't get out of bed. Like I literally feel like I can't even get out of bed. And I had this weird sort of tingling on my uh, thighs and under my feet. And I didn't know what that was. Um, so I went to a clinic. I just remember going to a clinic and and I sat down and I told the woman doctor what my symptoms were. And she was like, well, this could be any anything from a slip disc to multiple sclerosis. And I looked at her, I was like, what? Who is this lady telling me I could have some, at that time it was like wheelchair disease, right? Mm. So she said, listen, you need to go back to the US uh, to get some MRIs done because FYI, in Canada, they we could get very political here and, and talk about quote unquote healthcare being free in Canada, but Canada's pretty good if you don't have any major illnesses or sickness. Because she basically told me we can't you'd be on uh, a list to get an MRI for probably years. I mean that's how hard it is back then to get a simple. MRI of your brain or your spine. So she said, listen, you need to go back to the U.S. and see a neurologist and get some imaging done. So I remember telling my, you know, boyfriend, Sean, at the time, like, this lady said I could have a slip disc to multiple sclerosis. I mean, does she even know what she's talking about? So I did what I was told. I came back to the U.S. I got brain scans done and my spine and they found lesions on both, which is, you know, an, uh, an indication that 
you have MS. And then they did a spinal tap looking for the special protein. <gasps> did that hurt? Uh, oh, it was awful. And oh. then I had like, I had the, the leaking of the spinal fluid, which gave me one of the worst headaches I've ever had. They had to do something called a blood patch. I'll never forget that. Anyway, um, so when the neurologist looked at my images and said to me, and I remember, I'll never forget, I was by myself in a hospital gown and he was showing me the images and going, you have a lesion here and here and here and here, and you probably have MS. Uh, here's some steroids. Come see me in like six months and we'll do some more imaging. I can't diagnose you until you have a second episode, meaning either a new lesion or you have like so you had to wait months to find a flare up. Out. No, I was mad. Did you go to another doctor? I, well, first of all, I was devastated. Yeah. But then I was like, why can't this guy diagnose me on the spot and, right. and get me on a treatment? So I called Sean. I was like crying uh, because the, the guy was like, you know, you should probably have somebody pick you up. And so I called him. He was at work. He was at the firehouse. I'll never forget. I had to call the firehouse. And I said, this doctor told me I have MS and Sean was like, okay, I'll be right over. <laughs> and it was, it was devastating. And then of course you do all of your researching and, and if you get into a very dark place, but that was the first sort of, well, I need somebody to tell me definitively what's wrong with me. You can't just give me a bunch of pills and then say, come see me in six months and we'll do another round of imaging. And that's when I went to another uh, neurologist who I also did not love. Um, but he was like, you need to be on something. You know, you, we need to be proactive with this. Even though you haven't technically had another episode, there's enough evidence here that you have this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's when I started, you know, uh, going on medication. And then, then I found Dr. McDreamy after that <laughs> because I just needed somebody to tell me what this was and, and how to fix it. I mean, listen, MS, you, you can't fix. It's, a, it's an illness we don't know sort of where it comes from. There's no cure for it. Uh, but I'm on something now, you know, almost 20 years later, and I'm doing really great. Knock wood. What is the med- does the medicine take away the lesions or it just? No, uh, no, it just keeps things at bay uh-huh. because MS is just your immune system attacking itself. Mm-hmm. So my immune system is sort of hyperactive and attacking uh the brain and the spine. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, and the first thing is, is why is my body attacking itself? What do they think causes that? Is it like, what would cause that to happen? Well, there's more research being done. I just read an article recently that said um, Epstein-Barr, that there is a connection between Epstein-Barr and MS. And What's then they Epstein talk Bar? about a virus maybe getting into your body that that yeah. got sort of mutated and and and, uh-huh. uh, and started, you know, going into sort of an autoimmune. How close to a cure? Are they raising a lot of money to... Well, listen, I believe there'll be a cure in our lifetime, uh, in my lifetime, but the therapies uh, are getting much better. I just had lunch with a friend of mine David Osmond of the Osmond family. Okay. Okay. So uh, his dad was actually one of the Osmond brothers and his dad has MS and he has MS. And him and I met at a function over 10 years ago uh, trying to raise money for multiple sclerosis. And we had we had breakfast together and he looks great. We call it the my you, don't, my you look so well disease because you can look great. 
I look fine. I don't look like there's anything wrong with me, but it's what's happening inside of our bodies mm-hmm. that you don't see. And so I said to him, I'm like, you look great, David. He's like, you look great too. But how is the inside of you right now? So, but we're How both, is the inside of you right I'm now? I'm doing great. And Good. so is he. He's actually on the same therapy that I'm okay. on. And I, I'm not pro any type of therapy, but what we're on right now is working for us and it allows us to have as normal a life as possible. And that's what's happened really, even within the last 15 years since I've been diagnosed, is the therapies are getting much better. People are living a better quality of life. It's not just the wheelchair disease like it was. So when did you go from finding out that you had um, MS and that feeling of, oh my gosh, what does this mean for my life, sorrow, Mm. to I can do this and I can live life to the fullest? Well, it took a while. I mean, I think that was one of the darkest times of my life because at the time I was in my mid, I was 35, just met Sean, felt I met a great guy, was starting to love New York. I loved the job that I was doing. I felt all of that was going to go away because of this diagnosis. And Sean stuck with you, of course. You know, and I was afraid of that because, oh. like, what guy wants to stick around for, like, you for know, you, Debbie Downer? Any guy. Uh, well, listen, that was. You know, that was my first thought is, oh, my gosh, he's going to leave me. Why would he want to be with somebody that could be in a wheelchair someday? But when it started to turn around was when I'm when I talked to Neil Cavuto, because Neil has been here since the beginning of Fox. I'm going to try to not like cry because I was just so fortunate to have a great company that right away was like, what do you need? Mm -hmm. They gave me the time off. Uh, They said, how can we help? I remember getting a big, you know, box of food, uh, you know, just phone calls and love and nothing like well, when are you coming back to work? It was just, what can we do for you? So right away, I was working for an amazing company that I knew had my back. But the greatest part was that Neil also had MS, was still doing this great job. And, uh, you know, I was said, someone said, call Neil and talk to Neil. And I remember the day I talked to him is the day the sun came out because he just, he... I went to his office. He turned off the TV. He brought a chair right up to him. He took out the Kleenex and he was just like, you work in a great place. They will build us his and her wheelchairs. Mm. I will support you. I will do whatever I can to help you. You're going to be okay. I promise. And that was like, thank God. Mm -hmm. And from that day on, I always said that if anyone was newly diagnosed. And I've had that over the years where somebody says, my cousin of mine, a friend of mine is diagnosed. Will you talk to them? I will do it in a heartbeat because it's that one glimmer of hope that will get you through. It's that one person saying, you're going to be okay. That's what really Mm -hmm. set me on the path. And I'll be forever grateful to that man. I mean, just... I just love it's, them. It's about those people who are there for you when, yeah. you know, yeah. life is difficult. You never forget That's them. That's what we have to do for each other. Yeah. You know, my, my mom's best friend is a child and my dad's best friend is a child. Two different. They grew up differently in different cities. Both of them were diagnosed with, with MS. Really? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so I have to talk to them and see if uh, what treatments they're on. Yeah. And, and I'm, just ha- find I'm out. happy to talk to them. They're I just sweet. got somebody the other day that said somebody was newly diagnosed. And I'm more optimistic than ever that... Uh, that maybe not a cure in the last next 10 years, but the therapies are getting really, you know, really good. 
Now, I know I've taken up a lot of your time, ladies, but I hope this is can be to I'm be so proud of you. We're both so proud of oh, you. We talk yes. about this podcast in the mornings on the show and <laughs> Congratulations, Janice. Aww. This was a, this this is a long time coming, Aww. and this is very well deserved. Well, and it's going to do amazing. I, like I said, I feel lucky. I've got such good friends. I've got some such good girlfriends, and maybe we'll have to do this more often. We like, need to do this with wine next time. <laughs> yes, we do. Janice has okay. Let's let's Are end with let's end with why we love Janice. Mm. Yes. Okay, we love Janice no, wait. because no, wait. she is such a good friend. Oh. But you know what I love about you? You were strong. You're a fighter. You're not going to let anyone run over you. Yes. And um, I think the city has probably been good for you, right? It's taught you to be that strong individual. It sounds like you already were growing up in Canada. I think it's but you just have a you're a great born. mix. You're a great mix of just the sweetest, nicest person. And when you see someone is treated unfairly or unjustly, you will fight for them. Yeah. And, uh, and a great mom. I'm going to add to that to say... Um, oh my gosh, she's such an advocate for her friends too. Even little things. She like oh, yeah. she's she goes, like, you want me to tweet about that? Did, uh, that you were did, treated wrongly. Did, I'm, I'm do tweeting. Do you want me to make a phone call about that? <gasps> right, did, right. Did that? Did they just do you dirty? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like Janice. No, it's fine. She's like, no, no. This needs to be handled. Yeah, and I will handle it. <laughs> <laughs> and the, and the reason I love Ainsley is I. What is there not to like? It's you're true. You Thank are you. T- truly. Sometimes I look at you on TV and you're smiling. I'm like, she is so beautiful, but also that matches her insides. Mm. Y'all are, I think we're all very truly. similar. I think we all try to just, you know, despite what God throws at you or what your situation is, we're happy. Yeah. We're happy people. Yes. Uh, we were, you know, raised by great parents and your mom has you know, been a wonderful influence on you. I can't imagine what she went through. I was going to ask you that, but would, I know you're running out of time, but when you were diagnosed, I'm thinking like as a mom, yeah. you can do anything to me, but don't do it to my child. You know, I'm sure that was hard for her. I'm sure too. She mm-hmm. And she's very much like me too, is that yeah, she's a very, very strong person. Mm-hmm. Um, but you you don't know that until she's tested. Yeah. 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 Well, to be continued, ladies, and by the way, you have to come back to talk about your new children. Children's book. Oh, thank you. I'm so glad you were born. Coming out in September. How did we not do a children's book like 10 years ago with that title? Because that's what you say every time there's a birthday. That's so cute. I right? tried with my last children's book and the publishers were like, no, I don't think so. Mm. And so then I pitched it again they to a different publisher and they were like, we love that. Love that. See? Steve Ducey's wife texted in the middle of the show and said Ainsley's next children's book should be called I'm So Glad You Were Born because we know all what? say it on air now. The next time we have a podcast together, we're going to talk about that because I feel like we've had a lot of that in our lives that somebody says no you can't do that and, and then we do it yeah, yeah. It, right yeah exactly I think that's yeah. really important My, everybody's in the beginning everybody's career no you can't you yeah. can't do that yeah. like else. your lady up in Canada you yep. showed her oh I remember her yeah Diane Benson. I'm oh, sure, Diane. I'm sure she remembers you, Diane, too. we thank you, because now we have Janice as a result. Yes. Thank you for pushing her out you know, the this door. Po- this podcast does make Canada. <laughs> it's true. It's global. Listen, I, I'm I sure don't she's blame a her. She probably had somebody else saying, yeah, she's not going to be good. But who says that? I mean, how many people are interns here and they're like, I want to be what you are. And then you're like... You can do it. That's what yeah. you, you do. And whatever you want. That's right. It is true. I champion you. Like yeah. as women, we have to champion each other, that not put each other true. down. Yeah. Like, and that's what I like. That's what I always say to interns too. Who and this happens all the time. If there are any parents listening right now whose children want to go into broadcast and be on air, tell them not to not to hide the fact that they want to be on air. Because I was talking to an intern um, just a couple of days ago, and I said, "Do you want to be on air or a producer?" And they're like, "Well, I kind of want to be." 
I kind of want to be on air. And they get like ner- embarrassed right, by it. Right. No, say what you want to be because then right. people will know that about you. Put it and out in the universe. Put it out in the universe and then opportunities could arise because That's of it. That's correct. Yeah. yeah. Yes, Although they say if you want to be an do. anchor, start with reporter. So well, they, I think, remember that in journalism school, they would say, don't tell them you want to be an anchor. Tell them you want to be a reporter. Oh, I think, yeah, that yeah. should happen naturally. Right. But you want right. to be on air. Yeah. I right. quit general journalism school. Did you really? <laughs> That's another topic for well, another time. Well, it served you well. <laughs> you didn't need that degree. Well, I took radio TV broadcasting afterwards, but it was because I couldn't get on the camera right away. I had to take like, why am I taking this psychology course when oh, I just right? want to do like right. television? Yeah. yeah. Anyway, that's not to say that I'm people glad shouldn't I went to go to university. But you don't have to in this profession. Well, listen, you don't have to. You don't. You know what? I think that sometimes it's better to major in something else because then you have a specialty outside of mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. outside of journalism. Honestly, the internship is what you really need. The you internship should get is, in there and get the experience. Yeah. I think yeah. if you have an idea of what you want to do, it's going to happen. Sometimes it takes a few detours, and yeah. that's what happened. I quit school, but then I went back to school after realiz- realizing I should have kept being in school the whole time. Yeah. So you live and you learn. That's right. All right, ladies, I love you. I love you too. Maybe love we you. should so fun this is girl. The Janice Dean podcast, but I feel like our threesome should be called something separate. So the, we'll come up with that. The broads? The broad threesome. The bro- <laughs> That's what you said. Our threesome. The broad. You're calling broad. I'm not sure. Kate is like, <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure. I don't think about we're gonna that. go with that one. Yeah, this is a PG event. I think I we best. should be called well, no, we're the we're the smart threesome meeting. Meaning. Yeah. <laughs> we are three girls, uh, three ladies, three women, right. smart women on television in the morning together. Hmm. How about three friends? Janice and friends. Three friends is nice. Yeah. Oh, I like it's that. Okay. You know, we're going to workshop this. Okay, I think guys. so. Hey, listen, you know what you could do? You could at me on Twitter or uh, Janice Dean FNC on Instagram or on Facebook or any of the ladies here if you have ideas for the t- like the title of the Janice Dean podcast with the three ladies that I love. Yay. I love yes, it. Brian it. used to be Brian and friends. Remember, or kill me and friends. <laughs> and that, then he dropped what the happened? friends. For he just wanted to show? be all about him. He changed it to the kill me. The Brian Kilmeade show. So there's just something. If you want to start Brian. off in a humble way, Janice, you could be uh, Dean and Friends. <laughs> I love it. I like Friends and Dean. Friends and Dean. Okay. No, maybe Janice not. and Friends. Okay, that's not bad. Yeah, I, like I think we can. Cause some Harley came up with that. Something maybe. snappier might happen. Maybe something to do with blonde hair. I don't know. Oh. Is that overdone? We'll might think be. about it. <laughs> Thinking of all these ideas. We'll come up with something. Okay. Stay tuned. Thank you so much, Ainsley and Carly, for joining me on the Janice Dean podcast. And thank you to all of my listeners for tuning in. If you have someone you want to nominate for the Dean's List, let me know at Janice Dean on Twitter or Janice Dean FNC on Instagram. Please subscribe, rate, and review to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or at foxnewspodcast.com. And don't forget to spread the sunshine. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. And don't forget to spread the sunshine. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.